0: CHAPTER ELEVEN OF THE BENT TWIG BY DOROTHY CANFIELD THIS LibriVox RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN CHAPTER ELEVEN ARNOLD'S FUTURE IS CASUALLY DECIDED THE NEXT DAY WAS TO HAVE BEEN GIVEN UP TO REALLY IMPROVING PURSUITS. THE MORNING IN THE ART INSTITUTE CAME OFF AS PLANNED. THE GIRLS WERE marshaled THROUGH THE SCULPTURE AND PAINTINGS AND VARIOUS ART OBJECTS WITH ABOUT THE RESULT WHICH MIGHT HAVE BEEN EXPECTED. As blankly inexperienced of painting and sculpture as any bushman, they received this sudden enormous dose of the arts with an instant self preservatory incapacity to swallow even a small amount of them. It is true that the very first exhibits they saw, the lions outside the building, the first paintings they encountered, made an appreciable impression on them. But after this, they followed their elders through the interminable crowded halls of the museum, their legs aching with the effort to keep their balance on the polished floors, their eyes increasingly glazed and dull. For a time a few eccentric faces or dresses among the other sightseers penetrated through this merciful insensibility, but by noon the capacity for even so much observation as this had left them. They set one foot before the other, they directed their eyes upon the multitudinous objects exhibited they nodded their heads to comments made by the others but if asked suddenly what they had just seen in the room last visited neither of them could have made the faintest guess at half-past twelve their aunt and mother highly self-congratulatory about the educational morning voted that enough was as good as a feast and led their stunned and stupefied charges away to Aunt Victoria's hotel for lunch. It was while they were consuming this exceedingly appetizing meal that Sylvia saw, threading his way towards them between the other tables, a tall, weedy, expensively dressed young man with a pale freckled face and light brown hair. When he saw her eyes on him, he waved his hand, a largely knuckled hand, and grinned then she saw that it was not a young man but a tall boy and that the boy was arnold the quality of the grin reminded her that she had always liked arnold his arrival though obviously unexpected to the last degree caused less of a commotion than might have seemed natural it was as if this were for aunt victoria only an unexpected incident in a general development quite resignedly anticipated after he had shaken hands with everybody and had sat down and ordered his own luncheon very capably, his stepmother remarked in a tolerant tone, You didn't get my telegram then. He shook his head. I started an hour or so after I wired you. We'd gone down to the town with one of the masters for a game with Concord. There was a train just pulling out as we went by the station, and I ran and jumped on. How did you know where it was going? challenged Judith. I didn't, he explained lightly. He looked at her with the teasing, provocative look of masculine seventeen for feminine thirteen. Same old spitfire, I see, Miss Judy, he said, his command of unhackneyed phrases by no means commensurate with his desire to be facetious. Judith frowned and went on eating her eclair in silence. It was the first eclair she had ever eaten, and she was more concerned with it than with the new arrival. Nobody made any comment on Arnold's method of beginning journeys until Mrs. Marshall asked, What did you do it for? She put the question with an evident seriousness of inquiry, not at all with the rhetorical reproach usually conveyed in the formula she used. Arnold looked up from the huge, costly, bloody beefsteak he was eating and, after an instant survey of the grave, kind face opposite him, answered with a seriousness like her own. "'Because I wanted to get away,' he added, after a moment, laughing and looking again at the younger girl. "'I wanted to come out and pull Judy's hair again.' He spoke with his mouth full, and this made him entirely a boy, and not at all the young man his well-cut clothes made him appear. "'Without speaking,' judith pulled her long smooth braid around over her shoulder where she could protect the end of it her mouth was also full bulgingly on the last of her eclair they might have been brother and sister in a common nursery my aren't you pretty sylvia was arnold's next remark you're a regular peach do you know it he turned to the others say let's go to a show this afternoon he proposed tling tling's in town i saw it in the papers as i came in the original companies singing did you ever hear them he asked sylvia they beat the other road companies all hollow sylvia shook her head she had never heard the name before the broadway brand of comic opera being outside her experience to a degree which would have been inconceivable to arnold there was some discussion over the matter but in the end apparently because there was nothing else to do with arnold they all did go to the show arnold engineering the expedition with a trained expertness in the matter of ticket sellers cabs and ushers which was in odd contrast to his gawky physical immaturity at all the stages of the process where it was possible he smoked cigarettes producing them in rapid succession out of a case studded with little pearls His stepmother looked on at this, her beautiful manner of wise tolerance tightening up a little, and after dinner, as they sat in a glittering corridor of the hotel to talk, she addressed him, suddenly, in a quite different tone. "'I don't want you to do that so much, Arnold,' she said. His hand was fumbling for his case again. "'You're too young to smoke at all,' she said definitely. He went on with his automatic movements." opening the case taking out a cigarette and tapping it on the cover oh all the fellows do he said rebelliously and struck a match mrs marshall smith aroused herself to a sudden low-toned iron masterfulness of voice and manner which for all its quietness had the quality of a pistol shot in the family group she said only put away that cigarette but by one effort of her will She massed against the rebellion of his disorganized adolescence, her mature, well-ripened capacity to get her own way. She held him with her eyes as an animal trainer is supposed to cow his snarling yellow-fanged captives, and in a moment Arnold, with a pettish gesture, blew out the match and shut the cigarette case with a snap. Mrs. Marshall Smith forbore to overemphasize her victory by a featherweight of gloating, and turned to her sister-in-law with a whimsical remark about the preposterousness of one of the costumes passing. Arnold sulked in silence, until Judith, emerging from her usual self-contained reticence, made her first advance to him. "'Let's us all go there by the railing where we can look down into the central court,' she suggested." and, having a nodded permission from their elders, the three children walked away. They looked down into the great marble court far below them, now fairy-like with carefully arranged electric lights gleaming through the palms. The busily trampling cohorts in sack coats and derby hats were, from here, subdued by distance to an aesthetic inoffensiveness of mere ant-like comings and goings not so bad said arnold with a kindly willingness to be pleased looking about him discriminatingly at one detail after another of the interior the heavy velvet and gold bouillon of the curtains the polished marble of the paneling the silk brocade of the upholstery the heavy gilding of the chairs everything in sight exhaled an intense consciousness of high cost which was heavy on the air like a musky odor suggesting to a sensitive nose as does the odor of musk another smell obscured but rancidly perceptible the unwashed smell floating up from the pauper cellars which support aladdin's palaces of luxury but the three adolescents hanging over the well-designed solid mahogany railing had not noses sensitive to this peculiar very common blending of odors judith in fact was entirely unconscious even of the more obvious of the two she was as insensitive to all about her as to the too abundant pictures of the morning she might have been leaning over a picket fence i wouldn't have given in to her she said to arnold staring squarely at him arnold looked nettled oh i don't i don't pay any attention to what she says except when she's around where i am and that's not so often you could notice it much saunders isn't that kind Saunders is a gay old bird, I tell you. We have some times together when we get going. It dawned on Sylvia that he was speaking of the man who, five years before, had been their young Professor Saunders. She found that she remembered vividly his keen, handsome face, softened by music to quiet peace. She wondered what Arnold meant by saying he was a gay old bird. Arnold went on, shaking his head sagely. But it's my belief that Saunders is beginning to take to dope. Bad business, bad business. He's in love with Madrina, you know, and has to drown his sorrows some way. Even Judith, for all her so desire to avoid seeming surprised or impressed, could not restrain a rather startled look at this lordly knowledge of the world. Sylvia, although she had scarcely taken in the significance of Arnold's words, dropped her eyes and blushed. Arnold surveyed them with the indulgent look of a rakish but good-hearted man of the world, patting two pretty children on the head. Judith upset his pose by bringing the talk abruptly back to where she had begun it. "'But you did give in to her. You pretend you didn't because you are ashamed. She just looked you down. I wouldn't let anybody look me down. I wouldn't give in to anybody.' Under this attack, the man of the world collapsed into an awkward, overgrown boy, ill at ease, with red lids to his eyes and premature yellow stains on two fingers of his left hand. He shifted his feet and said defensively, Ah, she's a woman. A fellow can't knock her down. I wouldn't let a man do it. He retreated still further, through another phase, and became a little boy, heated and recriminatory. "'I'd like to know who you are to talk. "'You give in to your mother all the time.' "'I don't give in to my mother. "'I mind her,' said Judith, "'drawing a distinction which Arnold could not follow, "'but which he was not acute enough to attack, "'other than by a jeering, "'Oh, what a craw! "'What's the diff?' "'And I mind her whether she's there or not. "'I do,' continued Judith pressing what she seemed inexplicably to Arnold to consider her advantage. Sylvia was vexed with them for talking so loudly and getting so red-faced and being so generally out of key with a booming note of luxury resounding about them. Hush, hush, she said. Don't be so silly. We ought to be going back. Arnold took her rebuke without protest. Either something in this passage-at-arms had perversely brought a sudden impulse to his mind or he had all along a purpose in his fantastic trip west as they reached the two ladies he burst out say madrina why couldn't i go on to la chance and go to school there and live with the marshals four amazed faces were turned on him his stepmother evidently thought him stricken with sudden insanity and strove distractedly to select from the heaped pile of her reasons for so thinking, some few which might be cited without too great offense to her brother's mode of life. Why, what a strange idea, Arnold! Whatever made you think of such a thing? You wouldn't like it. She was going on, as in decency bound to add that it would be also a rather large order for the marshals to adopt a notably difficult boy, when Judith broke in with a blunt divination of what was in her aunt's mind. "'You'd have to wash dishes if you came to our house,' she said, "'and help peel potatoes and weed the celery bed.' "'I'd like it,' declared Arnold. "'We'd have lots of fun.' "'I bet we would,' said Judith, with an unexpected assent. Mrs. Marshall Smith laughed gently. "'You don't know what you're talking about, you silly boy. "'You never did an hour's work in your life.' Arnold sat down by Mrs. Marshall. "'I wouldn't be in the way, would I?' he said with a clumsy pleading. He hesitated, obviously, over the mother which had risen to his lips, the name he had had for her during the momentous visit of five years before, and finally, blushing, could not bring it out. "'I'd like it like anything. I wouldn't be. I'd be different.' Sylvie and Judy seem like little sisters to me. The red on his face deepened. It's it's good for a fellow to have sisters and a home, he said, in a low tone not audible to his stepmother's ears. Mrs. Marshall put out a large, strong hand and took his slack, big-knuckled fingers into a tight clasp. Mrs. Marshall Smith evidently thought a light tone best now, as always, to take. I tell you, Barbara, she suggested laughingly. We'll exchange. You give me Sylvia, and take Arnold. Mrs. Marshall ignored this as pure facetiousness, and said seriously. Why, really, Victoria, it might not be a bad thing for Arnold to come to us. I know Elliot would be glad to have him, and so would I. For an instant, Arnold's life hung in the balance. Mrs. Marshall Smith gleaming gold and ivory in her evening dress of amber satin, sat silent, startled by the suddenness with which the whole astonishing question had come up. There was in her face more than one hint that the proposition opened a welcome door of escape to her. And then Arnold, himself, with the tragic haste of youth, sent one end of the scales down, weighted so heavily that the sight of his stepmother's eyes and mouth told him it could never rise again in the little pregnant pause he cried out joyfully oh mother mother and flung his arms about mrs marshall's neck it was the only time he had shown the slightest emotion over anything it burst from him with surprising effect mrs marshall smith was as she had said only human and at this she rose her delicate face quiet and impassive and shook out the shimmering folds of her beautiful dress. She said casually, picking up her fan and evidently preparing for some sort of adjournment, Oh, Arnold, don't be so absurd. Of course you can't foist yourself off on a family that's no relation to you that way. And in any case, it wouldn't do for you to graduate from a co-educational state university. Not a person you know would have heard of it, You know you're due at Harvard next fall. With adroit fingers, she plucked the string sure to vibrate in Arnold's nature. Do go and order a table for us in the Rose Room. There's a good boy. And be sure to have the waiter give you one where we can see the dancing. The matter was settled. End of Chapter 11